This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Hey, Raider Nation, welcome back. It is time for another Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. Hi, everybody. Scott Colbranson along with Mo Moten, my broadcast partner. Mo is the senior NFL writer over at Bleach Report covering the entire NFL. You can also catch his work specifically on the Raiders at sportsnot.com. Follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. That's Mo Moten. Also, you can follow me, LV Gully, on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. I guess we should start calling it The X. I don't know. Some people might be talking about their ex-wife or ex-boyfriend when they say The X, so I, I don't know. But anyway, you can follow us there as well as the show SNB Today is that handle. Also, make sure you download the show. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your audio. Turn on the auto download for us. That helps us significantly. We appreciate that. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit subscription and the notifications bell. And wherever else you might be watching, the video is now distributed. YouTube, it gets up on Twitter for our live shows. It's on Rumble. It's on Twitch. Wherever you get your video, you can find Silver and Black Today, So thanks for being with us again on this Tuesday. All right, Mo, here we are. We're on a Tuesday. Uh, we're starting to see transactions come down the line. But I want to go and visit back to the Raiders games. You talked about on the Silver and Black Blitz yesterday, by the way. As you guys know, not only do you get our full-length shows, but Mo and I drop some other content, usually between 10 and 20 minutes on thoughts that we have, and Mo had some yesterday on the roster, which uh, were great. But Mo, let's go back one last time. I want to just sum up some of the things from the Rams game. You and I always go back and watch the games multiple times after we watch and react to them live, as we did in our post-game show with Murph. But when you look at the game against the Rams uh, and you've watched it again, Tell me again, we'll talk about Aiden O'Connell in a second, because that's obviously the story for the Raiders, but what else jumped off the screen at you uh, when you revisited that matchup between the Rams and the Raiders? One name that stuck in my mind, Drake Thomas, the undrafted uh, rookie linebacker. I, I think he's, I wouldn't call him a lock. I didn't mention him as a lock on my Silver and Black Blitz episode to make the roster, but I think he's a guy to circle that that could be another undrafted linebacker who makes the 50-man depth chart like Darian Butler did and Luke Masterson did last year. So he's not making the splash plays, no interceptions and, and sacks, but he's really he's really already 
made for the run defense already. His run fits are great right now. Uh, we'll see what he can do if he's tested more in the passing game. Not many opportunities to show what he could do there, but right now he's doing what he's supposed to do, and I think he's one of the Raiders' top run defenders in the preseason. So if you're looking at an undrafted rookie who can make it this year, as undrafted rookies do every year, Drake Thomas is the guy. There you go. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, I mean, his play – Surprising, and again, I know you and you and Murph both on the post game show disagreed with me a little bit about the linebacking play. And again, I don't think the linebackers are playing poorly. I just think that when you look at linebacker cores in the NFL, even with what you've seen and some of the good performances from this unit, it's still not up to snuff as far as a team where they need to be now. You play with what you got. Unless somebody comes open and this team makes a roster move, goes out and gets somebody who's cut somewhere else or finds a free agent that has been unsigned, then then I get that. You upgrade when you can. But the reality is, Mo, as I've said, you play with the hand you have. And when you talk about Drake Thomas, obviously played really well. A couple guys that stuck out to me, Mo, I had some, I had some offensive guys I want to talk about. I don't know why I focused on that area, so it's good that you you brought up a defensive player. But I thought, again, it's a crowded wide receiver room in Las mm-hmm. Vegas. There's no question about it. But DeAndre Carter, I think, especially in the kicking game, okay, you look at what he was able to do, kickoff returns. He had the punt return he almost broke. Had he not stepped out of bounds, it would have been all the way to the house. But DeAndre Carter, I think, is is making a play for the. It's going to be tough. You talk about tough. There's always tough cuts in the NFL. And when you have a position room as crowded as the Raiders wide receiver room and perhaps the defensive back room with some young talent and some veterans there, you have to make tough, tough choices. But I know they love Trey Tucker, and I'll talk about him in a second. But I think DeAndre Carter, from a kick game perspective, having a wide receiver, too, who has that experience – he might be further down on the depth chart as far as being a wide out. But, man, I was just impressed with what he's done uh, in the what he did in the game against the Rams. And I'm wondering, and I don't know if he's going to make your list, but uh, I think that he's one of those guys that's going to make it very hard for the Raiders to cut him. Yeah, piggybacking off the Silver and Black Blitz episode that I had, he was one of my roster locks. I actually yeah. think he's, he's safe to make the roster simple because I explained on that episode that if you're wide receiver 4, 5, 6 – you better be able to contribute to special teams. And that's something right. that we have. Keelan Cole doesn't do that. Philip Dorsett, you know, he. I think he's on the bubble too, not on special teams, but had a pretty good outing against the Rams. Christian Wilkinson, pretty good outing against the Rams. Cam Sims scored a touchdown that was reviewed. He got his feet in. So there's a lot of competition, but DeAndre Carr has stood out most on special teams, and I think that's his inroads to, to making a roster spot. So I, I, I totally, absolutely agree with you there. The, the other thing really quick that stuck out to me on the offensive side of the ball, Justin Heron at, at left tackle. Mm. I think it's important to note that simple because I think he has an inroads to a roster spot, not because he played exceptionally well, but because what are the Raiders' other options at left tackle now that Brendan Parker's on IR? You did a Silver Black Bliss episode on that. There's no competition from him there. But he's out for the season. And then uh, Jackson Barton was usually the guy that would play a lot in the preseason, not on the roster right now. So, what are their options at left tackle other than Justin Heron? And and I know Jermaine Illuminar played a little left tackle against the Rams. I saw him, you know, on that side with Thayer Mumford on the right side. But mostly, for the most part, Mumford and Illuminar have been right tackle. So right. 
I'm looking at it and saying, well, it, it seems to me that it's, it's Justin Heron or Dalton Wagner. Maybe he flips over to the other side, but he's got most of the snaps. There. He's got most most of the looks there. And he's been solid. So I, I would think that he's pretty much safe to be the backup behind Colton Miller. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting, and I agree with you. I think Heron has been has been a nice surprise and solid. I think he makes the roster too. When you look at Jermaine Illuminor, though, you and I were were champions of his last year. We saw him improve and what he was able to do. Uh, seeing him there on that left side against the Rams, it's interesting because they're moving him all over the place. And I can't read, Mo, if that's a really good thing for Jermaine Illuminor or if that's something to look into and to say, hmm, I wonder what they're doing here. And, and does that mean he's going to start at right tackle and they're just moving him around to give him some some room to your point about depth and understanding you know if somebody goes down you want to be able to to put a guy in who understands has played the position a little bit and a little more familiar with it what's your read on that situation with Luminor? here's i did some digging because i'm putting together my my depth chart predictions for sports not also i'm doing it on uh if you've watched it on a bleach report live monday I, you know i talked about a lot of the positions there but I think it's because the Raiders last year only kept eight offensive linemen. So that means you got five stars and three guys as backups. And those three guys have to play in no multiple positions. I think the Raiders mm-hmm. are preparing for, okay, what if Colton Miller goes down? What are we going to do? And I think yeah. the solution could be either Justin Heron or you could move Jermaine Illuminar to left tackle and insert them up for that right tackle. So it's all about knowing who your, your your best five offensive linemen are if there are injuries. And I think they're just trying guys out to make sure, like, okay, if we have a hole here, we can shift this around. This guy could play two, three positions. And I think it's just preparation for the regular season. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you mentioned Munford played really well, too. Uh, I continue to see his, his development week by week. You can visibly see it each time. So that's exciting for the Raiders. A couple other names I wanted to mention to you, Mo. I mentioned on offense, Michael Mayer. Uh, Michael Mayer, early in the game, I was highly critical of him because I thought he got blown up a couple times, including, I believe, on one sack uh, where he sort of came off a block way too early. But he then recovered. You look at the rest of the game. What I'm impressed with here is the fact that he's getting open on routes that he's running out of the backfield. And then really from the second quarter on, the time that he saw, um, his blocking got much better. He really did a great job of, of, of doing what he was assigned to do, protecting the quarterback or on run plays, doing what he was supposed to do. And to me, I like Michael Mayer, not just because he went to Notre Dame, and I think the expectations people have to have need to be in line with what I believe will happen. And that is, I don't believe Mike, I think Michael Mayer is the future tight end one for this team. I think he's got to work his way into that position. Austin Hooper had a nice little game when he did play. And he's obviously a, a former Pro Bowler, a really experienced guy, and that's valuable for this team. So I think Michael Mayer, when you're talking about maybe week five or six, Working more into that, if he's if he's worked hard, he's doing what he's supposed to do, he'll see more playing time. But I think the expectation around him should be that. And, but I was impressed with how he picked up after a rough start. Yeah, Pro Football Focus seems to agree with you with his blocking. They didn't really give him a good grade in the blocking <laughs> department. So, um, But we all know why he was brought there is to catch the football now of course he has to be a well-rounded tight end they're expecting to be a well-rounded tight end because he has the tools to be that but if he has trouble with with blocking it's not the it's not the worst thing in the world for a rookie coming into the league you have to adjust to the pro level in that in that department it's harder i think to adjust to the blocking schemes in the pros than it is to 
run out, run routes, and catch the football. Because if you're a natural pass catcher, that's going to come pretty quickly for you. And that did for and that that did for him, or would have for him if he had some more targets from <coughs> Brian Hoyer. But <laughs> uh, I, I think Michael May, as you said, is going to come along. He's going to be the starter probably before I think before Thanksgiving. He'll be getting most of the of the snaps at at tight end, and he'll be. I wouldn't say he'll be an elite blocker, but he'll be capable and equipped to handle that situation, blocking schemes and his position as an inline tight end. Right. But um, he, go ahead. He, he's he fans are going to say he should be a starter. Tyree Wilson should be a starter. And as you said, you have to adjust your expectations coming in. I don't I don't think any of these rookies outside of maybe Jacory and Bennett are going to start week one. Of course, we noted off air that Jacory and Bennett is banged up. And that's why you didn't see him in that Rams game. So even he may not start right away. Right. And that's not a negative. I, I, I have to reiterate that you people around the league, they see a rookie who starts immediately. And, and, and believe me, there are some guys who can do it and they, they blow things up right away and good for them. But if you look around the league, guys, rookies who come in at key positions, especially key skill positions like that, who start right away, usually are on really bad teams to be honest with you, because they don't have anything else behind them, right? So they they get them out. They don't have an Austin Hooper. They don't have some of these guys. So just keep that in mind, but I think that's good. The other player I want to get to before we talk a little about Aiden O'Connell before we end the segment is Trey Tucker. Trey Tucker, 66 yards receiving in the game, the nice 40-yard pass from Aiden O'Connell, kind of threading the needle down the middle and, and, and Tucker adjusting his body to get the catch. Again, starts off rough. Trey Tucker started off rough. Um, you know, I've been one to say that I, I'm just a little skeptical about him coming in since I watched him play here at the University of Cincinnati. But I looked at the first half last week and I look at the second half. He had the dropsies again in the first half. Second half, he came out and, and I think really elevated himself. I don't know if it was self-realization, if it was the coaching at halftime, whatever it was. But he seemed to pick up the pace. And again, I think this is the kind of guy, I know Raider fans are very excited about it because anytime you have a Raider wide receiver that has speed, people get really excited. Okay. And, and that's fine. But again, I'm a, I, I look at him and I say, this is a guy who is going to be a developmental player. He is not meant to come in and get a ton of snaps in year one. He may. If, he's, if he just goes through the roof and develops very quickly, great. But that's not what the expectation be. With Trey Tucker, Mo, I think it's going to be uh, an evolution. He's got to be able to, to do what he has. He will have opportunities in 2023, I believe. But I just think, though, that you have to balance that out. But I was glad to see that after early struggles and after some of the struggles against the 49ers, he came out in that second half and looked much better, held on to the ball, and that was a good step for him. For Trey Tucker, it's all about consistency. I think for now you're going to have to deal with the good and the bad with him. Uh, they're going to have to deal with the drops, but he's going to have some big catches, as we saw against the Rams. So his first half wasn't good, let's be honest. Two drops, I believe. Then he had a 40-yard catch when Aiden O'Connell came in the game. So, you know, it's a mixed bag. Yes, I tried to kind of calm the the pitchfork mob on on Twitter X because there are people already <laughs> ready to call him. Oh, he's Darius Hayward Bay, uh, you know, speed no. all speed, no hands. And I say, first of all, Bay was a was a top draft pick, so right. they're not expecting Tucker to be that guy coming out of of Cincinnati. As you said, there's a lot of competition at the slot position. Jacoby Myers is going to see snaps in the slot. Hunter Renfro is when they keep him. Going to see a lot of snaps in the slot. DeAndre Carter is going to see a lot of snaps in the slot. So 
he's not expected to be a starter and a, and a big contributor right away. They have time to allow him to develop, and that's what he's going to do at that position. So the speed is there. You just want to see the more consistency with his hands. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Absolutely. And so that that's where he's at. So, you, you know, that's fine. The last thing I want to touch on with a few minutes we have left here in this first segment, Mo, is the Aiden O'Connell story. We talked about it in the postgame show of the three of us, me, you, and Murph, that this is the story for the Raiders. What's interesting, as it started to pick up now, on Monday and into today, um, clearly that's true. Uh, people are covering Aiden O'Connell. We've seen some high praise. We saw Baldy do one of his breakdowns on some of his throws. Mm-hmm. But like everything else in 2023, everything has to be an extreme. So you have a lot of folks out there saying, hey, why do they need Jimmy Garoppolo? Does Jimmy Garoppolo get cut before the season starts? People, people, people. And we've been very complimentary, and we'll talk about even the T-shirt we have now for Aiden O'Connell. We'll talk about that in the last segment. But nonetheless, we've been complimentary Aiden O'Connell. It's a great, great story. Anybody who tells stories for a living, like the two of us and some folks out there who do content, it's a great story. Aiden O'Connell is a great story, but he is not going to be the starting quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders right now. Okay, so let's just slow our roll there. Then there's the other side. It's like people are like, he's playing against second and third stringers. That doesn't mean anything. Well, you know what? Bryce Young plays against second and third stringers. Uh, C.J. Stroud plays it. I mean, Mo, you said this a couple shows ago. It doesn't matter. If, if, if he was a first-round draft pick, if he was Will Levis in the second round, if he was any of the guys I mentioned, and he was lighting up teams like Aiden O'Connell is, people are like, oh, see? We should have traded up to go get him. So, again... I think the hype machine is there. We get that. But Aiden O'Connell, you and I have been very consistent about this, Mo, for the last week. And especially from Sunday, Saturday. He won the second string job. There's no question. And that's what he is. He's a second string quarterback at this time with some really high upside that we see so far in two-game sample of maybe developing into something more in the future. That's it. So it is hype, yes, but don't read too much into it. Um, what do you make of kind of how people are tossing around the Aiden O'Connell story? So I was I was on Twitter X trolling. Uh, I think it was, <laughs> I forgot who put it out, but someone from PFF said, is Aiden O'Connell the best quarterback in the AFC West? And then I quote tweeted and I said, Patrick Mahomes, count your days. And then people, <laughs> that tweet, by the way, went crazy. Got a bunch of responses. People were like, some people don't pick up sarcasm very well, no. apparently. But I was just, of course, I was just trolling. But you're right. We have to keep everything in perspective. He's there to be the fill-in starter for Jimmy Garoppolo. If Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt. It's not a situation where they're going to just cut Jimmy Garoppolo and start Aiden O'Connell. I saw people comparing this quarterback dynamic to Derek Carr and Matt Schaub. And the difference is Derek Carr was drafted as a second-round pick, and Matt Schaub was, was on the back end of his career. Yeah. As a starter. So Jimmy Garoppolo kind of still back end of his prime, not that old. He's not in his mid to late thirties yet. So I, I don't, 
it's not a situation where it was okay. We're bringing Aiden O'Connor. We'll have an open quarterback competition. It was a situation where we need a fill-in starter because we understand or know Jimmy Garoppolo's injury history. But there's one thing I want to say about the comparison for the people who say it's just against backups. I'm gonna blow up that idea really quick because. When we evaluate college prospects, do we say, oh, a guy coming from a D2 or a D3 school, oh, it's just D2, D3 competition. It doesn't matter. It's not as good as playing against Alabama or any SEC schools. Talent is talent. You can see it whether the player is going against backups, third stringers, D2, D3 uh, college players. We don't discount players just because they come from lesser schools. Sometimes that becomes a question is, you know, how do they adjust from going from a D3 school to the pro level? And we see a lot of guys in the NFL from mm -hmm. D2, D3 schools who excel. So you have to look beyond who they're playing against, and you have to isolate the player and say, how are they playing? With Aiden O'Connell, how is he throwing the ball? Is he making quick decisions? You know, How is he getting the ball to his, to his wide receivers or his pass catchers? You can't get caught up on the competition. Focus on the player and what he's doing on the field. Yeah, and then and then the other criticism too. I, it's not even a criticism. It's it's a, a point folks are making when they're talking about the success that Aiden O'Connell has had so far. Mo is this idea he's facing vanilla defenses. He's not seeing schemes that are going to really cause him. But if you look at the breakdowns, and I and I point you to Baldy's, I, I point you um, to Ted Nguyen over at the Athletics breakdowns of Aiden O'Connell, and you'll see. That it doesn't matter if they're you still have to make decisions. Okay, sure, maybe they're not throwing the kitchen sink at the kid yet. And again, he may not face that this year unless he starts in an emergency situation, meaning Garoppolo goes down. But either way, I think you people dismiss for from a lack of understanding that even when you're facing quote unquote vanilla defenses. The quarterback has to make split-second decisions. And on the touchdown you saw in the back of the end zone uh, from Aiden O'Connell against the Rams and the breakdown that Ted did on that, I invite all of you to watch that, you can see how quickly he adjusted. It was an out route. It was a fade pattern. He comes back inside in a split second, recognizes what's happening, and gets the ball inside, which results in a nice toe-tap touchdown. So... I don't care if it's vanilla or not. You're still looking at decision-making. Uh, you agree with me on that? Scott, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Hasn't <laughs> Brian Hoyer been in the league for about 15 years? Yes, sir. How did he look against vanilla defenses? Exactly. Oh, that's right. He threw a pick six. Oh, but he how sucks. Did, how, did, <laughs> how did Brian Hoyer – Brian Hoyer knows the system, has seen it all. And he's, still, and he's still struggling against vanilla seven, defenses in the preseason. He started for seven teams in the NFL. So you cannot tell play. me that you can't tell me that it doesn't mean anything. At least we it means to me that Aiden O'Connell is a better backup than Brian Hoyer at this point in his career. Aiden O'Connell, right. two preseason games, looks good against vanilla defenses and second and third stringers. Brian Hoyer been in the league for 15 years, still throwing pick sixes over the middle to the linebacker <laughs> on the hook. So you can't you can't tell me it, it throw it out means nothing because this guy Obviously, Brian Hoyer has seen a lot more than Aiden O'Connell, yet Aiden O'Connell is dealing the football and moving the offense, and Brian Hoyer struggled to do that on Saturday night. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and that's why, look, again, nobody's nobody's giving the guy a gold jacket, okay, no. Aiden O'Connell, but he's off to a good start. If it continues and you see this development, the Raiders could have a gem. He could develop into something more later. He could be a career backup in his career. We don't know yet. But it is exciting. There's nothing wrong with being excited about it. And all of the other Raider quarterbacks that were young quarterbacks that failed don't matter. 
we saw people tweeting out, well, look at this. Here's a list of seven quarterbacks people got excited about with the Raiders, and they ended up being nothing. The past has nothing to do with it. Al Davis isn't drafting these guys. It's not the same general manager. It's not the same organization, even though people want to assign that to that. But proof is in the pudding. So if Aiden O'Connell wants to prove people wrong for those who are doubting him, he'll have to do that over the next couple of years. So we'll see. All right. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. We're going to talk a little bit about coaching. Yes. Defense, offense. What have we seen so far in the preseason and in camp that either gives us pause or or it gives us hope that maybe the Raiders coaching staff learned from last year and will be much better than it was. You're with Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We're coming back right after these words.